Good morning. I'm Frank Kaufman. I'm the president of the 12 Gates Foundation. Good morning. I'm Frank Kaufman. I'm going to do a little piece on the word. A couple of days ago, on the 18th of March, the New York Times published its second seeming return to wanting to accurately reflect on the nature of reality in America. I don't know what's happened over there, but two pieces in a row. Uh, this one was a, a piece by the entire editorial board expressing concern over the threat to free speech in America. Hmm. Interesting enough from them of all people. But there it is. As a result of that, uh, the calcified left and the calcified right will immediately start blaming one another for the decline of commitment to free speech in America. And so this development caused me to ponder or reflect upon speech and more precisely the word. Now the word and speech has at least three categories of reflection. There is common parlance or the, the common secular use of the concept word. And that is the words I speak the things I use to explain myself, the things I use to refer to, the things I want or need or intend to do, uh, pass the salt, uh, are you, how long will you be out? These, all, these are just collections of words which are meant to get us through the day. There's another use of word which is slightly more interior than that. And that is, can be best seen in phrases like, and especially the very phrase, to be a person of one's word, to say, I'm a man of my word. This begins to look at the idea of word in a more philosophical way, in which now we're not merely referring to the tools we use to communicate by way of explanation or by way of making clear our intentions, our purposes, our needs, and our uh, creative accounts of things. Rather, now we're talking about something that indicates the inner quality or status or character of a person about whom we refer. So to say a person is a man of their word, it doesn't really refer to their skill and their eloquence or their vocabulary or all the things that are commonly considered word or words, it refers to something about them that is related to them being truthful, honest, having integrity, being reliable, being responsible. It's a collection of consideration independent of the mere realm of accuracy, of, as I said, eloquence. To be a person of one's word or to be a man of my word means that when I say something, it can be trusted. And the only way that account of who I am can come to be how people see and understand me is if every time I ever say anything, the person who hears it and who receives it can count on and depend on and stake other things, their friends, their relationships, their money, and so on, 
they can stake valuable parts of their lives on what I've said. That's to be a person of one's word. It has to do with character, truthfulness, honesty, integrity. In the United States of America and the commitment of our framers and founders and in the Constitution and the First Amendment, the right to free speech is not only just the right to express opinion, but it is related to this middle element that has to do with the quality of who a person is. There's a third and even more interior dimension of the word as a concept, and that is a theological or scriptural concept. In the Bible and in Jewish and Christian religious sensibilities and religion, one of the better places to ponder the word, although it's there all throughout, but John 1.1 reads, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It's a single sentence, but the comprehensive range of what is being said there is overwhelming or is expansive. It's one thing to say that the word was with God. The verse that follows after that, John 1, 2, says, and all things were created through him. So God creates through the word. In Christian religion, they equate the word with Jesus of Nazareth. It has Trinitarian implications, but that's not where I want to go. What I want to say is that when pondering God in a theistic religious concept and in, and in other religions, not even pure theism, in pondering God, the means by which God moves something from non-reality to reality is by the word. God speaks reality into existence. And the interesting thing about that is that we ourselves and, and society around us or the world in which we live, there is a truth to that. People who tend to be materialist in their orientation or mentality don't think that the word creates reality. People tend to think that actions create reality. So there's nothing here now, I slave away, I get the lumber and the nails and the hammers and I build a house or build a garage. There was nothing there, now there's a garage there. And so people imagine that actions are what produce reality. But the fact is that the word creates reality. If I never speak, I have not altered social and interpersonal relations, except to the extent that the other person is capable of feeling or sensing or intuiting what's in my mind. But they don't have any confirmation. They only have their sense. Once I've spoken, I have put, I have created a reality. If you arrive at my door and I say, oh, it's so, I'm so glad to see you. Thank you for coming. There are a set of words that have now created, that have altered the nature, in a way altered history, just by me saying, I'm happy to see you. If I just felt that and never said it, it doesn't have a transformative force. In God's case, the utterance and the deed are one and the same. Utterance is deed. So God in the beginning, and the, the, the word was with God, and through him, all things were created. 
So God creates by speaking. We have to be sensitive and aware of that reality as creatures of God or, or part of God's creation, or in some traditions, children of God. Then we have a great many similarities to God. And one of them is that our speaking creates. Our utterances make reality that had not existed prior to us speaking. In God's case, there are three things affirmed as perfectly one and perfectly harmonized. Those three things are God's self, and the word was with God, and the word was God. God's self is harmonized into this. And God's creative power is harmonized into this. And that the word was with God, and the word was God. So being, uttering, and acting are harmonized in singularity in God. In our case, being, speaking, and acting are separated not, not ontologically or not, in fact, they're only separated temporally because we live in the physical world, which has time as one of its components. So for, to become known as a person of my word, it means that I always have to act consistently with what I've said. There's time between what I've said and what I do. And the, the quality of who I am is seen with the in the consistency of how, how reliably and how constantly and how unerringly what I do matches what I say. That's on, the, that's on the outside part of that thin line between non-existence and existence. The word creates existence and the faithfulness to what's said is required by action. These are serial or sequential. But there's an even more important element to, for ourselves than merely being constant in acting to what we've said, what we've brought into the external real world. And that is that section of the John 1-1, which says, and the word was God. That means that all of God's words are godly or God-like or of God. God doesn't speak, doesn't bring accidents into reality. God only brings goodness into reality, only brings love and compassion and care and opportunity. The word of God always does one thing faithful to the nature of God. So in our case, we're speaking all the time. We're speaking all the time. And since we are making reality all the time with every word, the concern is that our being, that section of John 1, 1 that says, and the word was God, in our case, our being, that which is producing the words, that out of which the words come, that's what we want to care for and invest in and count on and be reliable. Because 
because we don't we don't have time to weigh every word. If you watch old politicians who their lives are weighing words basically to try to say nothing, mostly that's the real reason why is that they weigh every word because they're constantly exercising political calculation for every word said. And their skill as politicians and their skill and their talent is to be able to rapidly calculate political consequences for what's said. But when they get old, it's a tragedy to see. It's genuinely a tragedy to see people who have been professional politicians their whole lives. One of their prime purposes is to politically calculate the implications of every word they say. And of course, when you get old, you're not that fast. That's why chess players retire. That's why, that's why physicists retire. That's why athletes retire. When you get old, you're not that fast. And a political skill is just is rapid calculation of political implications of what you're saying. But that's not what you want to count on. You don't want to count on the youthful capacity of rapid calculation. What, what we really want to count on is doing the work in which what I am, like, like God says, and the word was God. And so if my words are me, what I want to work on is me. What is me? The aspiration of what we want to be are delineated in every religion, in Christian and Jewish or theistic religions. There are, there are plenty of, of aspects and characters, uh, characteristics that we seek to be. The Bible speaks of seven gifts and seven virtues. Some of these are wisdom understanding, fortitude or strength, knowledge, piety, fear of God, faith, hope, charity, justice, temperance. These are beautiful qualities of character. They don't come automatically. They need work. If they came automatically, everybody would be equal in these things. But some people are more patient. Some people are more courageous. Some people have greater faith. These are arenas that need work, just like being a three-point a three shooter or a good foul shooter in basketball or being a great hitter or a great shortstop. Everything that you want to improve and be great at takes work. And these qualities of human character take work. And the reason why it's important to work on these things and the type of work it takes, unfortunately, is religious work. Read the scripture, say your prayers, sacrifice, serve. It's a, these are religious guidelines in which we gradually start to develop those qualities so that our being produces words which create reality, faithful to something good. Because we speak all the time. We react all the time. We assess all the time. We comment all the time. This is, this is good. This is what life is about. Did you see what Shirley did, said at the school board meeting? I can't believe she said that. That was really awkward for everybody. Maybe it was awkward. Maybe it's good that you say that about Shirley. Maybe Shirley shouldn't make people awkward at school board meetings. I don't know. But if she said something brilliant and you're saying that, out of jealousy, out of envy, out of just disliking her because her house is bigger. It, the words that we put into and create reality come out of a being. We can't calculate fast enough.
for every single thing we ever say. Or another, here's another one. I'm only saying this to you. If someone says that to me, in a lot of cases, I would draw, I would say, listen, if you don't say this only to me, if it shouldn't be said, then why are you making me the only object of something that shouldn't be said or can't be said? This is not a compliment to me. I'm only telling you this. Then it's better, uh, are you creating a reality? Why are you burdening me alone with a reality you're trying to create? And if you're creating a good reality, why are you only, why are you only telling a single individual? You would never say, I'm only telling you, you this, that Richard did a remarkable thing yesterday. Not many people saw it, but it was incredible. Why would you, why would you pick on, why would you say, I'm only telling you this? Why would you limit Richard's uh, accomplishment to just one person? So, and I'm going to conclude here. What I'm saying is, is that the word for us, the word in God is, is a unified thing. It is him, it's spoken, and spoken is act, is deed. Word and deed are one, word and being are one. In our case, word and being are one. Word and act takes a little time because of the nature of temporal reality. That's okay. That's how we become known as people of integrity. But word and being to become people of goodness, whose words help uplift, create space, repair, fix, aid, whose words create realities in which people are born and reborn and encouraged and made hopeful. That has to come from a being. And this arena of labor is not an arena in the realm of speech. It's an arena in the realm of being, of what you intend, what you are, what you want to happen as a result of speaking. So when we look at things like the right to free speech, the analysis of that is not political analysis. In a certain way, it's more perfectly theological analysis. A people who have God-given rights, it's our birth endowment, the right of free speech. Then if the rights are God-given, then the responsibility to become godly or godlike should attend or accompany these rights of free speech. But we can't, we can't curtail it. It, isn't, it wasn't written into the Constitution that only people who are godly, that's, that's what we're burdened with now. I'm godly. I believe vaccines work. That make me godly. And anybody who says otherwise shouldn't be allowed to speak. I'm godly. I believe that Jesus is the Savior. And anybody who doesn't believe that shouldn't be allowed to speak. They shouldn't be allowed to teach. They shouldn't be allowed to write. That's not what the Constitution says. But, it was, but the right of free speech, as written in the Constitution, does imply that the people endowed with that should take care and should strive to become godly in nature. And God and, and a, a close godliness is you can't just think it up. It takes work. And a close study of it is that it is it is for every human being. It is for every living thing. That's the most important quality of being godly. The rest is secondary and important but secondary. 
to be for every person alive. Then I can begin to speak. They should never have done that. They were wrong to do that. That's legitimate speech. As long as I'm for the person about whom I'm speaking, that's godly. Thanks for listening. I'll be back again sometime soon.